welcome to Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. I'm your host, Kim Smith. We're on episode 208, the last episode of season four. We're talking about kicking someone when he's down. Oh, God has really been working on me with this concept. I am reading a book right now by Christian author Terry Blackstock. I'm reading through the series. I've read it before. It is the Newport 911 series, and it is uh, based in Louisiana. Uh, it's a looks to be a fictional town on the North Shore above New Orleans. And I'm on book two. And it's called Shadow of Doubt. And in this book, the primary character, her name is Celia. Celia was a godly Christian woman for the last, I guess it was five years of her life. And, but she had a backstory. She had a backstory where her first husband was killed with arsenic. And she was arrested and tried and not acquitted, but the case was dismissed on a technicality. She moves to New Point to get a fresh start. She meets a man named Stan, who is part of the police department. She tells him the story and everything she's been through. They marry, and then Stan comes down with arsenic poisoning. And, of course, everybody thinks she did it. And even though it is a fictional story, I can definitely see the plot playing out in real life. Because after she's arrested, there are her closest friends initially are all behind her. But as they learn about her first husband's arsenic poisoning, then doubts creep in to everybody's mind. Everybody except for her Aunt Aggie. And Aunt Aggie is a trip and a half. Terry Blackstock did a great job of um, writing that character. She's one that you just love. And so listening to just how how convoluted the stories get of all the rumors that got spread. Somebody would hear this little tidbit and, oh, this is what she did. This is who she was with. This is like, here this lady has been charged with murder, well, attempted murder of her husband because he doesn't die in the the book. And she's in such pain and here, this is history's repeating itself, and all these people who she thought cared about her, they just jump on the bandwagon. And yeah, fictional, but we all know that this happens. This happens all the time, where when someone is accused of something. That human tendency, it doesn't mean that we don't do healthy research and find out, because I've seen enough true life, true crime drama to know that situations like this do happen. 
a guy whose first wife died under suspicious circumstances and then his second wife does and he truly was killed them both but i think we've got too much of that mentality where we don't have a healthy open perspective of innocent until proven guilty. And we're not just talking about crimes. We're talking about just the general everyday life. We were talking about jumping to conclusions in a previous episode. And David, King David, who we've been talking about for months, King David, instead of Finding out the other part of the story, he took Zeba in this first part of 2 Samuel 16. He took his word for what Mephibosheth had thought of David and was trying to do. And he believed the conspiracy theory. I, it just dawned on me that this whole, at least these first two parts of chapter 16 of 2 Samuel, they're both about conspiracy theories in the fact that the first one is David believing Zeba's word about Mephibosheth, which was more than likely not true, and he gives Zeba all of Mephibosheth's stuff. Like everything that David had allotted to Mephibosheth, he gives it to Zeba, taking his word for what Mephibosheth had done without finding out the true story. And then in the second part, we have Shimei, who is not a healthy individual, like definitely not a healthy individual. And Shimei is just acting, I'm trying to figure out the nicest way to put it, like he's just pitching a fit, I guess is the best way. And when you see what he did, you'll understand what I mean. And he's just jumping on David and accusing him of killing Saul and Jonathan. And like he's, he's from the tribe of Saul, King Saul, that was the first king of Israel. And he just is going on a rant and rave, like the people in the Shadow of Doubt book, jumping to conclusions about David that are not correct. But he is going off as if Everything is the gospel truth, and he has every right to act foolish. And it causes me to think about our modern political system in the United States. And not just in the States. I know it happens in other countries because I'm plugged into some of those, and I see some of the craziness. But we have people who jump on a bandwagon and believe with all their heart that such and such is absolutely wrong or so-and-so is absolutely wrong and they will fight to the death and they will, without researching, without finding out the true story. And when someone has been accused of any impropriety, it's as if they have leprosy. Number one, they haven't even been proven guilty yet. But number two, even if they're guilty of something, what would 
what would how would you want others to handle your bad decisions we have all made bad choices probably today we have made bad choices and would you want everybody to grab their hammers and just start beating up on you every time you made a bad choice or would you at least hope that somebody would be reminded that they've made a bad choice also. It reminds me about Jesus and the woman who was about to be stoned by the religious leaders. And he tells them that he who has not sinned amongst you should be the first one to cast the stone. And from the oldest to the youngest, they gradually walk away. Like, that, that is how we are to live as Christ followers. That does not mean that when people do wrong and people violate the law of God and or the law of the state in a way that is not biblical, it's not that we let them get by with things, but Where's a heart of kindness and mercy? I mentioned a few weeks ago that I've got somebody who I worked with for a very important season of life. And they have been accused of some heinous crimes. And yes, disillusioned. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, Because what has already come to light is is astonishing but i just keep wondering how i can be kind to that person because i know that they aren't their crimes i've seen the good that can come from them i'm reminded today to pray for them again that god will search this lady and and know her heart, that he will test her and know her anxious thoughts, that he will point out any way in her that offends him and lead her in the way of everlasting life. I do not want to grab a hammer and just join the group of onlookers beating on her. I want to be a person of kindness, mercy, and forgiveness. Shimmy Eye, it is one really odd story. It's uh, 2 Samuel 16, 5 through 14, and it'll be a few weeks, and we will see David and Shimmy Eye encounter each other again. A very repentant Shimmy Eye at that time. I'm not real sure about David. I, I'll be honest with you. I David, at this time in his life, he truly is down. Like his perspective is down. He he's left Jerusalem to try to avoid the destruction of Jerusalem because of Absalom coming after him, coming after the kingdom. And his version of the fact that these curses may have come from God, I don't know that that's godly at all. 
But what I do appreciate is he is merciful to Shimei. And I considered making this lesson about Shimei because I was going to take this story, the story of he and David again, and then how he pops up again at the end of David's life and the beginning of Solomon's reign. But I just sat on it. I sat on it a lot yesterday and got up really early on a Sunday morning to record this because I really wanted to be fresh. And I also wanted to like marinate on these scriptures a little bit more. So let's dive into this. Second Samuel 16, 5 through 14. I'm reading from the NLT. You can read from whatever translation. It's going to say the same just in a little bit different verbiage, as King David came to Baharim. So David was on his way out of Jerusalem. He had passed the Mount of Olives. That's where we left off last week. He's on this mournful trek out of Jerusalem. He's heartbroken. He's heartbroken that he has to leave Jerusalem. He's heartbroken that his son Absalom hates him so much. And has stabbed him in the back. I mean, David is down. There's no question about that. As King David came to Baharim, a man came out of the village cursing them. It was Shimei, son of Gera, from the same clan as Saul's family. He threw stones at the king and the king's officers and all the mighty warriors who surrounded him. Get out of here, you murderer, you scoundrel, he shouted at David. The Lord is paying you back for all the bloodshed in Saul's clan. You stole his throne, and now the Lord has given it to your son, Absalom. At last, you will taste some of your own medicine, for you are a murderer. Why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king, Abishai, son of Zeruiah, demanded, let me go over and cut off his head? I can't say I blame Abishai for his attitude. I'll be honest with you, because here... King David is already broken, and Shimei is going off like a madman. But here's David's response. Verse 10, no, the king said, who ask your opinion, you sons of Zeruiah? If the Lord has told him to curse me, who are you to stop him? There is nothing in the text that leads us to believe that God told Shimei to act like a madman. But David, we all get this. David, in his state of being so down, dejected, depressed, I think he just thought, oh, I know his thoughts were not healthy, And I think he just was intent that this must be, you know, like this must be from God. I'm still being punished for the wrongs I did, even though we know in Psalm 51 that David came clean with God about Bathsheba. Like he he truly has approached the throne of God and received mercy and forgiveness. But it doesn't look like David has forgiven himself. And now with all this bad stuff that's happening, it's very possible that David believes that all this is happening because God is still punishing him. But we get that. Like how many times when everything seems to be going wrong, 
Is your thinking logical? Is your thinking godly? No. I remember when I was going through a very stressful situation a few years ago. I mean, I drove down the wrong side of a road. Now, it wasn't a populated road. There wasn't anybody on it. But my brain wasn't where it needed to be because of all the stress that I was going through. David is literally kind of putting words in God's mouth here about this is a curse from if this is, you know, if the Lord has told him to curse me, who are you to stop him? But the positive is David decides to be merciful to Shimei. Shimei is acting out. David has every right as the true king of Israel to have him taken care of. But let's look at 11 and let's just see all David is working through in his head. It says, then David said to Abishai and to all his servants, my own son is trying to kill me. Doesn't this relative of Saul have even more reason to do so? Leave him alone and let him curse for the Lord has told him to do it. Oh, David, no, 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 no. But okay. And perhaps the Lord will see that I am being wronged and will bless me because of these curses today. Like you can see that David is just, his, his mental faculties are not what they need to be at the moment because his emotions are so stirred up. And he's putting this God narrative into this story when all that's happening is Shimei is taking advantage of David's bad situation and whooping up on him. There's nothing in this text that leads you to believe that Shimei was led by God in any way, shape, or form. When he apologizes to David later on, it's not like he says, oh, the Lord told me to do it. No. Verse 13. So David and his men continued down the road, and Shimei kept pace with them on a nearby hillside, cursing and throwing stones and dirt at David. Does that sound like something that God would lead him to do? I don't think so. The king and all who were with him grew weary along the way. They So they rested when they reached the Jordan River. I would hope that the majority of us, even if we have kicked someone when they were down, which I can't say that I've ever kicked someone when they were down, but I'm not sure how supportive I've been. I often think of someone, and I don't know what I could do beyond prayer to help with this situation, but they made a horrible decision, like horrible decision. And there's no question that they made the decision. There's no question that they committed the crime. But I need to be more prayerful for them. I pray for them on their birthday because Facebook reminds me of when it is. But I just, like, I'm not, I don't have the tendency to kick someone when they're down. But that doesn't mean that I couldn't fall into that trap if I was getting information and not thinking it through and just assuming someone 
a few years ago, I got, I'll never forget where I was standing when I got information that had been released to the public about the heinous crimes committed by somebody that I had known for years. And I definitely did not kick the person when they were down. I was very angry at the person, but I wasn't like face to face with them. I was angry for the crimes that they had committed. But I had felt God impressed me to send them a card, just letting them know that I was praying for them. And I never did that. And I lost that opportunity because they died. So even if you don't kick someone when they're down, which is obviously bad, is it that God might be encouraging you to do something for someone who is in a bad place? Because if they don't see the love of Christ in the eyes of those who proclaim to know Christ and proclaim Christ, how would they ever believe that they could be redeemed by the God of the universe? If they can't see that possibility of redemption in our eyes. Our weekly assignment feature is to give an example of someone being kicked when he was down. And that's, of course, he or she. Like, when have you seen someone or when have you been the one that something came out and all of a sudden everybody's jumping on the bandwagon and you've done one tiny wrong thing or maybe even a big wrong thing, but it became 60 wrong things by the time everybody got finished with the bashing. Coming from a small town, I know how quickly rumors can go crazy. And someone's reputation can be beaten, battered (laughs) in a very short amount of time, long before social media existed. Be careful of your words. Be careful of your attitude. I chose as our extra verse, Romans, Romans. Ephesians 4.32. Both of them are written by Paul, but instead be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Like we all need to be reminded of that. Be kind to each other. Shimmy I was off the chain. Like literally, he he could have been chained. He was so extreme in his behavior but sadly i see that like i see that type of behavior especially when they put cameras inside of some of our political establishments you see people acting like shimmy where they do not seem to have their faculties at all and they're just ranting and raving 
and so many times about things that aren't truthful, which they may or may not believe. As a Christ follower, we are to live a life of kindness, being tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So is there anyone around you at the moment who is in that down position? Maybe they're in jail. Maybe the whole family has turned their back on them. I've encountered somebody like that over the last couple of years where they really do not have familial support. And I understand that they have made bad decisions. I get at least some of the reason the family has distanced themselves. I get it. But this person and other people need someone to be kind to them. Not to allow yourself to be taken advantage of, but to just show kindness, even if it is just through heartfelt prayer for them. We should not be bandwagon kind of people. We should not be the shimmies of the world. We need to be people who listen to the whole story and use godly wisdom in our judgments. But even when someone is in, is in the wrong, to honor Christ in our responses. How many people in our prisons have turned to Christ because someone, possibly for the first time in their life, showed them that they could receive love and forgiveness? And you could be that person who shows them kindness, possibly for the first time in their life. They've made bonehead decisions multiple times and they have paid sorely and may be paying for a long time. But you can make a difference. Don't be a shimmy eye. Don't kick someone when they're down. But instead, be like Christ and reach down and lift him or her up. Thank you so much for tuning in to this last episode in season four of Encouraging Others and Loving Jesus. It has been quite the ride. And then next week we start with season five. The graphic will change a little bit. Um, that's my plan. Not a whole lot. Uh, we have the YouTube channel, which I started out with and then it just the quality of the video was not what I wanted it to be. And so I've held off, but in there you have, I think it's what, 28 episodes of the Joshua story that I love so very much. The book of Joshua uh, about finding courage for life's battles. And it's a look at the book of Joshua that I recorded a few years ago. So jump onto the YouTube channel and, the information is in the show notes below. 
We've got Facebook group. We've got our Twitter feed. We've got, which I don't do a whole lot with the Twitter feed. I'll admit that. But the Instagram, uh, we've got that. I post daily Bible verses in there. And... Oh, the information on the hidden episode. So when this podcast began, we began as the only thing I could come up with in my head. And that was a country girl in a city world loving Jesus. And so I don't remember if it's the first 50 or the first 100 episodes were under that title. And so information for the first 50 episodes or so are in the show notes at the very bottom called the hidden episodes because they don't necessarily show on some of the major platforms, but they're on my Podbean account. So, thank you so much for tuning in. Feel free to share this with others. It is free for you to listen to. It is free for you to share. And I'm just so thankful that you chose to spend some time with me today. Please whisper a prayer for those who are down and be willing to be the answer to your own prayer. And remember, it's always a trust and obey kind of day. Mm-hmm.